He wants to use us out in the supermarkets. He wants to use us in the schools. He wants us, but we don't want to be used. We, we got complacent. We're, we're, we just want to, oh, Lord, don't, don't ask me to do this. I just want to go to church. I want to go home. <coughs> we think about how awesome it is. I was thinking about homecoming, man. It's just, it's unreal of the, of the memories we've got here. Uh, I was ordained here at 19 years old. Amen. No, I'm 20. Was I 19 or 20? 20. I was 20. I was ordained as a, a deacon here when I was 20. And then I surrendered to ministry here, and I was one of the associate pastors here for about three years. But I thought about how awesome it was of homecoming and how we used to remember seeing homecoming, all these people would come back to this place with this glory. And I thought about how awesome it was. Homecoming, when we think about this, the prodigal son, today I'm focusing on the this passage about the forgiveness of the father, because as we see this passage, as we see this particular reading today, we're going to see the forgiveness of the father. We're going to see how this man and this young boy decided it was time to leave and uh, I know all of us, especially from a guy's from my point of view, you know, from a guy's from, from a guy's perspective, I remember those those times when we all wanted to leave, thought it was time to leave. We're this big, it's time to leave home. You know. I remember putting the heads with my dad. Sometimes in life we have to experience things on our own in order to grow. Those trials and those tribulations that we go through, it's times that we have to go through those in order to grow and to understand and to get a closer relationship with the Lord. Look at Paul. Look at the truth. Do you know he wrote, uh, he wrote 13 epistles, and most of them was written while he was in prison, while he was being persecuted. He wanted his son to have the 
defense. He said, what? And in his eyes, it was best that his son just stay right where he was. But he had others first. <coughs> if you will, look with me at the 15th chapter of Luke. The 15th chapter of Luke. I'm going to start with it. I'm going to go ahead and read. I'm not going to read all of it. I'm going to read through the 24th verse. The 11th verse through the 24th verse of the 15th chapter of Luke. And he said, and this was Jesus talking about a par- telling a parable, okay? And he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me a portion of the goods that followed to me, and he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son had gathered off and, and took his journey into a far country, a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living, and when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself into the citizens of that country, and he and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he, and he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough to spare? And I perish with this hunger. Look what he says. I will arise and go to my father. And I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. And before thee, am I no, no more worthy to be called thy son? Make me one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell upon his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said, to his servant, bring forth the fat, the best robes, put it on his, put it on him, and put on a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Father, thank you once again for reading of your word, and I pray that you out of way that they might see everything that you have us to see today in this passage, dear God. Let them understand the forgiveness of the Father and how awesome you are, dear God. If someone under the sound of my voice today does not have a personal relationship to you, I pray that you would draw them to you, dear God, that they might understand that they need a personal relationship with you and they need to understand who you truly are. Thank you for all you've done and I pray that you'll just be with us in this time of worship. I want us to look at verse 12. I want, to, I want us to see the willingness. The first thing that we're going to look at is the willingness of the Father to give. The willingness of the Father to give. The boy says, give me a portion of what's coming to me. The Father, even though the Father knows that the choices that the boys are making was 
us the wrong one, he is still willing to give him what he asks. It is just like our Heavenly Father. Even though we, we ask for something that it may not be the best choice for us, sometimes God allows us to do certain things and allows us to, to go through certain things so that we might see that the way that we planned is not the way that should have, we should have went. We never did ask God what was his will in our life. We never did pray about it. We just jumped up and headed out on our own. Quick story. Years ago, I went to work for a lumber company. I'm not going to tell you who it is. It doesn't matter. I was out of work, and I prayed, and I prayed, and prayed, and prayed, and prayed. Went three different times. I gave them a resume. Something or another didn't work. On the first two, I gave them the third one. I walked in, and they said, all right, we'll, we'll call you. Well, before I got home, they called me. I said, hey, come to work for us. Sometimes we have to walk through things that, got, that we we made the choice. Oh, yeah, God, this has got to be what you want me to do. So I just jumped up and run headstrong into it. About a year, it was right at a year, right after I'd done that, they let me go. So I got laid off. Said the business was bad. And, and, and then there it was. Sometimes we find things going on in our life and we get to situations and we say, well, oh yeah, God wanted us to do this. Well, it wasn't. We didn't pray about it. We didn't ask God his will. In Luke 11, 9, it says, asking it shall be given to you, seeking you shall find, knocking it shall be opened to you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and everyone that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh let it be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father. Will he give him a stone or will he ask a fish? Will he give him uh, uh, will he give him a uh, ask for a fish? Will he give him a serpent instead? Or if he ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then by being evil know how good the good gifts to give unto your, your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give you to those who ask. So how many times, you know, we jumped up and we run and we do all these things and never seek just a few minutes to pray about what God wants us to do, what direction he wants us to go. But in this passage, we see the willingness of the Father. He was willing to give even though he knew the choices that his son was going out to do it was not going to be the best for him. The father knew the son's choices were not the best for him, but he's willing to give it to him when he asked. In verses 13 and 14, 14 and it says, Not many days after the younger son had gathered all together, he took the journey into a far and country land and wasted his substance on riding. 
living and when he is spent, all. There arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. He tells us that he spent all. He went out and got, caught, got, got into stuff and of all kinds of things in his life, and he lived in the right, the rightest living. He, he was living wild, drinking, you know, in, in, in our lives. I mean, even in the biblical days, they had parties too. Drinking the riotous life, the women, all kinds of things, and then all of a sudden, he hasn't got any money. How am I going to go back home? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? So the Bible says that he went on in, in the verse 15, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent and and the citizens sent him into the field to feed swine. Now, let me tell you something. I'm not really sure that this boy was a Jewish boy. But if he was a Jewish boy, it was totally forbidden for him to have anything to do with swine. They were against the Jewish laws. They were one thing, they were not allowed to eat pigs. But not only that, they were not allowed to, to have anything to do with them personally as far as they were considered unclean. So here he is, even if he is a Jewish boy, here he is caught in the, uh, caught in the middle of the, the things that he actually was taught against the whole entire time. Here he is. Hogs were considered unclean, and he was eating with them. He was eating what they were eating. It was bad enough that he was there in the middle of, uh, of, the, of, of the pig pen and everything. But he was eating what they were eating. I know that I would be lying to you, uh, or excuse me, I would know that you would be lying to me if you told me that you never had one of those times when uh, you came to yourself. The Bible says that he came to himself. As he was there in the middle of that pig pen, as he was there picking up the things of what was going on, he came to himself. He began to think of man, what in the world am I doing here? What am I doing here? There's so many times that, that we come to ourselves, you know, we, we do things. I want us to take a visual picture here. I remember raising hogs when I was a kid. Hogs were the nastiest animals that ever lived. I mean, they were nasty. Uh, <laughs> they would poop right next to their food and then trample it, and then they'd put their food and they'd root around and they mix all their food together and then they start eating again. Now, I don't know about you, that's pretty bad when you're laying in a pig pen eating what they're eating because you ain't got nothing else to eat. Look what he says in verse and he went and joined himself to a citizen of the country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. Verse 17. And when he came to himself, he said, Look what he said. 
servants of my father have bread enough to spare. I want us to think about this for a second. I remember for, for years, like I said, raising, man, I don't know if you've ever been around hogs or anything. I remember when I was growing up, we had any given time, we had probably 20, 30 good hogs. That's not counting the baby. I'm just talking about the hogs. Where I was when I grew up, my dad had a lot of land. 20, 30 acres, and we had a whole bunch of hogs. It seemed like at certain times of the day, it was worse than others. You could really smell it. Depends on the wind changes. You know what I mean? And we, we depended on them. We depended on them uh, for livelihood. We fed them, we killed them, we, we did all things. We made it, we ate some of them, but most of them we stole. I thank the Lord today. I haven't had no hog in eight years now. I don't, I don't eat hog anymore. <laughs> and, uh, but I think about it. You know, I think of those days of being raised on that. And I think I, I can I can remember, I can just imagine this child, this boy was just a young boy. He ran away from home. He didn't pay no attention to what he's doing. The only thing that he could think about was getting out from underneath the umbrella of mom and daddy. I want to live my own life. I want to do my own thing. And I want to get out of here. So give me what I've got coming. It's my turn to spread my wings. Sometimes they get to the point where they feel like you're just scuffling them. I can't breathe like this. I gotta have a little more room. Well, I can see from this boy's perspective. He's a, he's always everything he does, and, and I'm not going to into the whole scripture, but toward the end of the scripture, he's always in the shadow of his brother. always done everything that his dad told him to do. So from this boy's perspective, I'm always in the shadow of my brother. i got to get out from out of here. You're killing me. I can't breathe. i got to go. Give me what I've got coming. And the willingness of the father says, give me a son. And here he is. He doesn't send him off. He's, he's squandered. He's done everything he can imagine. And now he's laying in a pit What's the old saying? Even a hog finds an acorn every once in a while. Huh? Are you hearing me? I can see and visualize in my mind that young boy laying on the flat of his back in the middle of that hog pit. And I looked up and said, What am I doing here? What am I doing here? I'm eating the husk with my dad, my father. His servant. The willingness of being willing to give him his inheritance. But I 
the second thing, the compassion of the Father. When the Son was laying back to him in his back in the pig pen, he saw and remembered the compassion of his Father, of how he took care of his servants. When his servants were sick, he took care of them. When they needed food, he took care of them. Why? 
what he had done. When we look at the verses, we see an entirely different person. It's in my mind's eye. I can see him looking around, getting out of the mud in the pig pen, dusting himself off and saying, what am I doing? I, I just need to go back home and tell my father I've made a mistake before you and God and I'm no longer to be called your son. So let me work for you and be one of your employees. I'm hungry, I'm dirty, I'm tired, but most of all, I'm sorry. way too close to home. My mom and dad were gone there. I wasn't the same that I should have been. Because I got with the wrong person. Got myself doing things that I shouldn't have been doing. Thing I know I came to my dad at 17 years old and said, Dad, I'm done with school. I'm going to work. I said, it's all you gotta do. Sign this piece of paper here. I'll go to work. And I did. She said, there ain't no use you staying in school if you're not gonna listen to them, Dad. Because I know you don't listen to me. And when I turned back to the table, I was wrong. And then my wife first got married. She told me I was working. I went directly to work for National Science. I worked with them for 13 years. And I remember and her first got married. She said, you need to continue to do this. Just a habit, right? I know it was hungry. She said, you need to get your GED. Your wife right. You need to get your GED. I said, don't look at me that way, Daddy. You quit school, too. You need to get your GED. 66 years old, my dad graduated with his GED. He actually graduated four out of you. <laughs> it wouldn't take nothing for those night classes. Me and my dad got to spend time together, going to school together. It was important to him to see that I finished. So we not. My dad examined me. He didn't even have a, he didn't even go to the eighth grade. He, he got out of school and went to work. He was one of 19 kids. He had 19 brothers and sisters. So he went to work. He was like, I was going to the military. He drove the airport. But you know, when we was doing that class and stuff, finding them reading, I'd been to school and I didn't even pay no attention to how I was doing. Here it is on the stinking bench. 
My dad looked at me and he said, you look at this equation that's half a mile long. And I'm like, good God, how do you figure that out? He said, the full thing. What? He said, the full thing. He built houses all his life. Even when he was, uh, even when he was young, he was in the, in the carpentry industry. He built houses for 31 years. And he looked at that piece of paper and said, it's 14. I said, how in the world could you figure that out? He said, well, it's about like the pitch of a house. And he starts telling you how. He said, well, you got to divide this by that and that and that and come up with this. And it's 14. I was amazed by that. But it was important to him. I saw the compassion of my dad saying and looking at me, son, son, it will benefit you. If I need to go to school, then that's what I'll do. But then do you do it? And I think about that. And so, like I said, it, it hits home. Boy, it hurt me. When I was getting ready, I, I remember, I was getting ready and getting all this stuff situated. I was going to get married. So, so we see the willingness of the Father to give. We see the compassion of the Father. But here's our most important point. We see the forgiveness of the Father. The forgiveness of the Father. <laughs> so the boy, look at verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. Are you ready? But when, it, but when he was a great way off, his father saw him. His father saw him. Ready? So many years. So many years. In my mind's eye, I can see that old dad going out on the front porch. Today, today, my boy's going to come home. Looking down in the distance. Looking down that long driveway. Today, today, my boy's coming home. He comes rushing in the door. And how does he say, My wife loves, uh, I love to talk about my wife because I love her so much. I really do. My wife loves murder. Well, I get to watch murder mysteries with her all the time. Okay? Two things distinctive in a murder mystery. Nobody else can figure it out. Number one, fingerprints, right? Nobody else, nobody else's fingerprints is the same. And I've noticed this on several of the murder mysteries that she watched. She watches. There's no other thing. There's one other thing that Change your appearance, you can do everything. But the way you walk, you can't change. It's been scientifically proven on data and looking at the images through the FBI and the different things. You can change completely structural. You can lose weight. You can do everything. You can have face surgery. You can do everything. You may not even have the same fingerprints anymore, but you still got the same walk. 
no matter how they do it. And they have a, I, I read up on this before I've done this. Now, thousands and thousands, of, I mean hundreds of thousands of, of things have been proven by them finding a person by the way they walk on a surveillance camera. The camera's up in the corner. He walks through a nearby store. And they say, well, there you go. Hold on just a second. So they take those two things and they analyze it and they throw them together. And guess what? That person has the same face. Are you hearing me? <laughs> the Bible says that even though he was a great way off, he knew there was his voice. <laughs> the way he was walking. He knew that was his voice. Went down that road so many times. He knew that was, hold on just a second. There's something different. I recognize him. Even though I can't tell what color hair he's got. Even though I can't tell what kind of eyes he's got. walking up that road through down yonder, but I can tell you it was my dad right where he was. I could see him in a grocery store from a good ways off. See him from the back of his head. He'd have a baseball cap on. I, that was my dad. I knew him. Same way by my wife. Sometimes I'd go into a big old place and I'd be looking around and she's not answering her phone. I'm thinking,
Morris was supposed to leave back home to church. And in those days, shoes represented loyalty as well. Because a lot of times in Jesus' day, they wore more like a flip-flop, you know, sandal-type thing. Shoes were, it didn't talk about sandals, it said shoes. Separate shoes represented loyalty because a lot of people didn't have the money to buy them. So everything about this represents, this is my son. This is my boy that is gone. And he's come home. I remember thinking about this. Homecoming, and it just wouldn't be the same without this. So he represented royalty. He represented, he said, look what he says in verse 22. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring you hither the fatted calf and kill it and let's eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Well, they I'm going to throw a little date in there. Put a little time behind it. When we first started came, uh, coming here, uh, my wife was, was already here. Uh, this is where she grew up. I started coming here when I was a teenager. So it was just here when we started dating. And then I love this. Uh, part of her family Leo and Miss Elizabeth and a different one for here. There was a, a man by the name of Bobby Ankenbauer. And with the Fisher family, he used to do the songs. Well, that's occasion. It was so awesome. I dug it up. Recitation. You know, in 1973, the cathedral done, George Young's done in 1973. He was in right here. One of the first songs that he done as a recitation in front of the cathedral was 1973. So y'all got a little bit of a history with that, too. <clears throat> and I remember this just like it was yesterday because I listened to it yesterday.